Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. you date me a podcast where me nicole buyer tries to figure out how i'm still single even though you could throw thumbtacks on the ground while i'm showering i would say ouchies that really exfoliated and hurt my guest today is an esteemed writer pop culture aficionado and was the senior culture editor at out magazine she now co-hosts the new pop culture podcast like a virgin which is available anywhere you get your podcast Wow, 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 wow. I'm joined by Rose Damu. Hi, hi, hi. Let's just, do you want to just jump into it? Uh, yeah, I, um, as um, a Florida girl, I'm used to, you know, I just jump into the pool. I'm a cannonballer, <laughs> so let's go. Where in Florida are you from? Okay, so I'm from Boca Raton, which, you know, we referred to when I was a kid as God's waiting room because it is where old people Mm -hmm. go to die. Yeah, it's lots of um, buffets and country clubs and um, Publix's, which, you know, iconic grocery store chain. I don't know if you've ever visited. I have. I've been to Florida. Okay. Have you had um, a chicken tender sub from Publix? No, but this sounds delightful and delicious, is it? It is. Have you ever wanted to eat cut-up chicken tenders on a sandwich? I mean, no, but the thought of it seems good. It is It is really, really good, and I highly recommend. What kind of chicken tenders are they? Oh, I wish I could find this picture. I have a picture, a screenshot of chicken tenders 
that I prefer and ones I don't prefer? Are they breaded or are they bad? <laughs> I I don't know that I could tell you. I think maybe um, the closest analog to a Publix chicken tender is like a Popeye's chicken tender. Okay. You know what? I said it was going to be hard to find, but I absolutely found it. Okay. Oh, is- okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it... Left, left or right? It's left. Yeah, they're like they look kind of they look like crunchier. Okay, so those are battered and those are not breaded. Those are like Dairy Queen chicken fingies, and I'm here for that. I don't like the other ones. I find them upsetting. The ones you make at home, disgusting. Get out of here. Yeah, I had a bad experience recently with um uh vegan chicken nuggets. I mm. decided I was gonna stop eating meat. Again, like I've done that a couple points in my life that lasted for about a week because I really decided I was going to lean into fake meat and spoiler alert, fake meat is disgusting. Yeah. Um, The other thing about fake meat is it really makes you toot. I fart so fucking much when I eat fake meat. It's terrible. It is. And I just, you know that phrase, it's like, um, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. I reject that. <laughs> and I would say a lot of the meat tastes a better than being a vegetarian. I agree. That saying is so upsetting. Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Um... I don't know what skinny feels like. So like <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, I have no me, I have no basis for comparison. <laughs> and I will tell you a public a, a public chicken tender sub tastes really fucking good and I know what that tastes like. Okay, what is on this sub? I mean, that is to your own discretion because it's the kind oh. of you get to go to the deli counter and pick what you get on oh. the sub. So for me and my fantasy, it's spinach, cucumbers, pickles, olives, banana oh. banana peppers. Oh. Um, maybe a tomato, although I go back and forth about whether I like tomatoes on sandwiches. I think sometimes it's a weird texture. And then Uh I'm not a sauce on the sandwich girl. I, I, you're a dipper. I'm a dipper. Um, and I reject mayonnaise completely. So there's no mayonnaise on my sandwich. Interesting. So I became a mayonnaise girl after I went to a lighter persuasion friend's home where their mother made a sandwich and put mayonnaise on it. And I was like, Dios mios, what is this? Oh my God. And then I like fell in love with mayonnaise. Okay, my chicken tendy sandy is lettuce, tomato, mayo, bacon if they have it, um, with a side of ranch to dip in. Oh yeah. The ranch side is is very necessary. But it like it also has to be the right ranch because yes. and I know that I'm I'm being stupid because ranch is just mayonnaise with seasoning and I hate mayonnaise, <laughs> but I like ranch, but it's a lie that my brain is able to tell myself like the little seasoning in it makes it not mayonnaise. So it's fine. Yes. And there are superior ranches. Like last night I was watching TikTok as I want to do. Um, yes. And I saw someone doing, uh, saw someone eating Wingstop and I just had to order it. And they were talking about how Wingstop Ranch is better than other ranch. And I think it's true. I can't really remember. I've had Wingstop. I've had their ranch. I can't put my fingy on what it tastes like. But my hierarchy of ranch is Kraft Ranch dressing Mm -hmm. and then Hidden Valley. Never Wishbone. Never Wishbone. Okay. I I believe you. um, And I support you. I think it's really about how present the dill is for me because I think that's what a lot of people forget with ranch is that dill is very important and I love dill 
Always. Oh, so you don't like Kraft Ranch dressing. It's very dill, dill free. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. That's not part of your fantasy. My my fantasy is no dill. I'm not a dill girl. No, that's um I'm sad for you. I think you're missing out. <laughs> but you know, to to each their own. Thank you. Um, Rose, I have a question. I might have an answer. Oh my god, imagine if you don't, and then it's just me asking questions, and you being like, I don't have an answer. <laughs> Okay, Rose, what is the first date you ever went on? Do you remember? Yes, I do. I'm not going to count sort of things I did in my youth that were like, quote unquote, dates. I'm going to say, okay, so I grew up, you know, I was socialized as a man, (laughs) a boy, uh, assigned assigned male at birth. I don't identify that way now. Um and I was one of the early people to come out in high school. I was, like, one of the only out gay kids. Mm-hmm. And the first date I ever went on with a boy in high school, I decided it would be a great idea if we, on our first date, saw Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> what a delicious date movie! Trauma free! In theaters, yes. Ooh. And when we arrived at the theater... The vibe was so awkward that I said, we can't do this. We cannot sit mm-hmm. and watch Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger fuck each other in the ass for two hours. So let's see Memoirs of a Geisha instead. Okay. Because those two were were playing concurrently. Um, so we met up at Barnes & Noble first. I made that, you know, executive decision. We're not seeing the gay movie. We're seeing the other gay movie. The gay adjacent movie. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and we saw Memoirs of a Geisha. I don't remember if it was good or not. It was so uncomfortable. We just like sat there in our chairs and didn't touch, didn't try to put our arms around each other, nothing. There was no kiss at the end of the night. Oh, no. It was, But... It felt so necessary to me at the time to have that experience, and it allowed me to date afterwards, having kind of broken the seal a little bit. But it is kind of nice to look back on it and have it be this very pure, innocent experience rather than a slutty one, because I've had plenty of those. And I've had very few (laughs) pure, innocent, romantic experiences. Oh, I don't know if I've had... No, I've had some pure, innocent, romantic experiences. They're very far and few in between. Um, being a career single person, it's very hard. I do have a date on Wednesday. What tomorrow. are you going to do on it? Um, we're just going to dinner, which I usually don't do, because mm. you're trapped at a dinner. You yeah. say hello. You go, I don't know if I like you, but like we put our name down. So like... We got to eat the food. And then it's like, if the conversation sucks during dinner, you're still like stuck there till you're done. But you can just leave after. Like, you could be like, oh, my tummy hurts. I got to go home. But like, a dinner is a commitment. And I don't know why I've done this. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think on a date, having an activity is nice. But then sometimes the activity gets in the way of conversation Mm -hmm. but then sometimes just the dinner is too much conversation with nothing to do i very much can't sit across the table from someone and ask 
what kind of music are you into? Like, it just doesn't. <laughs> I can't do that. And that's why I always, you know, in my youth um, and since then, always preferred having sex first because then I felt oh. like, I felt like that cut through so much of the awkwardness. Like I wasn't, once, if I had seen someone naked, I mm. wasn't going to be asking them, what kind of music do you listen to? Like, where did you grow up? You know, it was, it was just going to, we were going to get to just kind of real conversation and getting to know each other quicker. So how do you go about having sex first? You go, come to my home. And we'll have some sex, and then we'll get dinner. <laughs> um, the it, it was not necessarily Dessert first. It was not necessarily that I was um having sex with people as a way to like reverse engineer a date. It was more that I was a slut and I was having sex with people. Oh. And if I liked having sex with them, then I might say, "Do you want to hang out? You I know, see. next week or whatever." I see. I see. I see. I. I guess I was doing that a little bit. I mean, I would like go for drinks and then fuck people and then be like, ooh, you wanna you wanna hang out a little bit? But I can never get them to hang out without the drinking. And then daytime mm. hangs weren't like a thing. Um I don't know, but I lately I've been horny for a relationship. Lately I've been like, oh, Nicole, you've had a lot of sex. Some great, some fucking terrible sex. I think I want to have sex with somebody I like. And like, dare I say, love? Nicole, I am in the exact same place with you. I had a fucking breakdown recently. I had a come to Jesus. Well, I'm Jewish. So I had a come to Moses moment (laughs) with my therapist. I had, there's this very cute um, young bisexual boy um, who I uh, hooked up with earlier in the summer, and I was supposed to have him over again, you know, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And we had made plans, and I realized when I was talking to my therapist that I couldn't do it. I could no longer have sex with someone who, like, literally, if I died the next day, would never know and never care, like, did not care whether I mm-hmm. lived or died. I am... I, I guess at a point where I'm just unable to have casual sex anymore or don't want to because honestly, I feel worse afterwards than if I had just not had sex at all. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm getting, that's the point where I'm getting to, where I'm like, it's not worth feeling terrible afterwards. And it's not even like guilt or anything. It's just like like what you said. If this person wouldn't give a shit if I died tomorrow... Why am I fucking them? Yeah, I I want um I want actual intimacy, and I think sex can breed a certain kind of intimacy. And I've certainly had very casual sex with people whose names I didn't know or don't remember. That was incredibly intimate. But I want to fuck someone who I know. I want to fuck someone mm-hmm. who who cares whether I live or die. Yeah. That's what I want. I want someone to care if I live or die and make me come. Yeah. Triple threat. <laughs> well, I guess that's only a double threat. It's a double threat, but it's okay. Um, if you come twice, then it's a triple threat. Are you on the apps? I'm on the apps and it's bad. I, I'm also on the apps. It's also bad. Um, I am on Hinge and Tinder primarily. Yep. Um. They're both awful in different ways. Yep. There's a guy on Hinge who just keeps messaging me every couple of days, like, want to meet me in WeHo tonight? 
um, wanna <laughs> drinks tonight, movie tonight. And it's like, we've had no substantial interaction. And I guess, I guess he's doing the thing that you should do, which is let's meet in person and mm-hmm. not like endlessly talk on this app. But it also feels very presumptuous. Yeah. And then I, you know, I also uh, am attracted to women. Well, I'm, I'm bisexual, so I'm attracted to plenty of people mm-hmm. um, and have been finding it much harder to connect with women on the apps because I think as women, we are socialized to not reach out first. So yes. I don't know how to do that. And like, I was chatting with a girl recently who I thought was very cute. And then she, we had started talking about Clueless. Okay. Um, because in one of my app photos, I'm wearing like a sort of share um, yellow black plaid skirt suit. I love this. I love it. And she said something about it. And then she mentioned that she was teaching a class on consent in rom-coms and was talking about Clueless in it. And I said, oh, that's cool. Are you a professor? And she said, no, I, I, I run a virtual consent school. Oh. And I realized that, that there was something but there that was not going to connect us. Sure. A virtual consent school. I mean, how does one find out about that to take a class? I guess you can find anything you want on the internet. Yeah, I just realized for me and my fantasy again that sure. I probably wasn't going to date someone who had taken those steps to figure out how to <laughs> how to how Fair. to create or yes. work at a virtual consent school. Yes, I get that. Um yeah, I mean, I don't ever really reach out first. And the reason why I do it is because I think the gentleman persuasion tend to think black women are already aggressive. So if I uh, reach out first, I think that like confirms their suspicions that I might be a little aggressive. So I let the people come to me. Um, and then with women... I also let them come to, I let the people come to me. I, I've chased for a very long time and I've decided to not chase, uh, <laughs> which might not be a great stance in dating. To no, just be I know. Like, I'm going to let it wash over me, let it happen to me. Um, and then also, I don't know. I don't identify as anything other than Nicole. And people keep asking me, they're like, what are you bisexual? What are you? And I'm like, Nicole, is it? I don't know. I, I also don't chase. It does come from a place of profound laziness. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not willing to put the work in. And then also, you know, since I started transitioning, there is such a sort of fervor for trans women specifically on apps like that that you really don't have to go looking for people Mm -hmm. but the people who find you are not necessarily the ones that you want to fuck and or date i mean i used to like when i when i used to live in new york and was in brooklyn like there were days when i would sometimes get like 50 messages on grinder a day and like and i'm not saying that as like i don't think i'm hot shit or anything it's literally just like you can think you're hot shit i think i'm I'm hot shit shit. there you go but it's also like a lot of men specifically i mean speaking of chasing chasers who Mm -hmm. are specifically looking for trans women who would fuck literally anything with lipstick on. <laughs> I don't think I even had lipstick on in my profile picture. That is 
an uncomfortable, weird thing to navigate. It's like, what do you want from me? Am I being fetishized? Are you actually attracted to me? Are you fulfilling this like hole that you have with what I have? Like, it's very, it's, I mean, it's, I'm not trans, but you know, people have a fetish with black women or like I'm mildly successful. It's like, do you, what are you trying to get something else from me? It's a, uh, it's hard. It's hard when you're swiping and trying to discuss and, and figure that out. This man messaged me today. He goes, how do you feel about going on a date with someone less funny than you? And I was like, <laughs> not thrilled, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Why? Why? Like I get like, being self-deprecating but that was truly just like you came in fully fucking negative and then another person was like wow i'm really intimidated to be talking to you and i was like i'm a person just a like a fucking person you're you're like literally telling me that you have expectations and you think i'm going to be a certain type of way i don't know we could go out and i might not be funny at all i might have had a hard day and i might not want to be funny you don't know I don't know, Rose. Everything is hard. Everything is hard. And, you know, like talking about fetishization, you know, sometimes I would meet people or have sex with people and I would go like on their Instagram and would look at who they were following and realize they were following every trans girl I knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the dolls like to talk and, you know, we like post <laughs> post our, our trade on our close friend stories mm-hmm. and you get the girls sliding to your DMs like, oh, I had sex with them last year. Like, I used to date them, whatever. And you start realizing, like, I would look at the other people that these people I was having sex with and we didn't look alike. We didn't, there was no type outside mm-hmm. of us just all being trans. And then, so how are you not supposed to feel fetishized yeah fetishized or tokenized or whatever that is bewildering to me like that's really fucking wild to be like oh the only common denominator here is that we're all trans and that's the only thing that you like about me like that's that must be such a mind fuck it's also so curious that like in the year of our lord 2022 that people just can't be more open about what they like and I feel like people tend to put people in a box because they can't, you know, outwardly express what they like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know what? I want to be fetishized for being a podcaster. (laughs) Exactly. I want someone to be like, it's so hot that you talk nonstop. That's what I, you have a microphone. Plug the mic in. Plug the mic in before we fuck. Give me some hot takes before we fuck. What do you think Uh, about all this? Discourse gets me going. (laughs) Um, Rose, real quick, we have to take a break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talked to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So 
even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta muchacho! <laughs> Without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And oh, we're back. Rose, can I ask? This might be a, a question you're tired of answering, but when did you start transitioning? I started transitioning uh, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so my I was 27, my my late 20s. I had spent uh, the majority of my you know mid 20s being very immersed in um, queer nightlife in New York mm-hmm. City. Uh, I used to throw raves for a living, which was very fun. Ooh. That's wild. I like that. Yeah, I was a club kid. I was a party girl. I was an international party girl. And, you know, a lot of what came with that was some very deep gender fuckery and, you know, gender deviance and just like realizing the world was a much weirder place than I had ever understood and starting to see that a lot of people had figured out a lot of things that I'd been questioning for a really long time and also just seeing... um, you know, possibilities in a way that I never had Mm -hmm. before. Um, And, you know, I think the last year before I started transitioning, when I was really questioning my gender, I decided to, I wanted to experiment. I wanted to, you know, like do a science fair situation where I had a hypothesis and I collected data. So I said, okay, so you were assigned male at birth. So are you a man? So I learned, I leaned really hard into masculine presentation and, you know, like, grew up my facial hair and, like, had a lot of very, like, leather-clad, you know, popper-soaked sex Mm -hmm. and um, tried to see if that was real. And I realized, okay, that's not real. Um, That's just, like, what you've been pretending to be your whole life. And so then I was like, okay, well, am I more of, like, a, you know, non-binary, like, genderqueer? Um, That, is that my situation? And realized, no, that's that's not really real either. And so then I thought, okay, well, 
am I a woman? And that was the thing that felt the most that the most real. And also the thing that once I had sort of, I don't know, I guess shrugged off the safety of, you know, cis masculine presentation, mm-hmm. the thing that that once I kind of stopped lying to myself that that was who I was, I was left with the actual reality. Um, and so that's when I started transitioning. And how long did that journey take? I feel like that's a lot of a lot of time with your thoughts. It is. It involved a lot of drugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was there was one specific night when I took a bunch of acid and just walked around Brooklyn all night um, and did a lot of very deep thinking. And at the end of it, I just kind of decided, okay, I'm going to try this because I think I've unpeeled the layers too much to ever put them back on. Mm-hmm. And this was also at a time where, you know, trans healthcare had become more accessible than it ever had been. So I was able to, you know, just walk into a queer health center and say, I want to start hormones and mm-hmm. started them a month later. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, so I would say in terms of how long it took, I mean, it took 27 years. It took, I'm 34. It took 34 years. It, mm-hmm. it, it took a year of questioning. It took, you know, my whole life in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, a, a couple years of really being immersed in a culture where people were doing, expressing themselves in ways that I had never realized I was allowed to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what, I don't know the the point where we at, are we're at in culture today is there's just, we have just have more access to realizing that there's so many different ways to be, um, and that and that we get to be them if we want to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people talk about how social media is like very negatively influencing people because of like unrealistic beauty standards and shit. But for me, I have had like a whole world of like non-binary and and gender bending things open up to me because I get to see people I wouldn't normally see on Instagram and whatnot. So yeah, I like that you were so easily able to find resources to start a transition. Yeah, and and the the you know, the internet is so powerful for that. I also like cannot emphasize enough how important it was for me to be in actual physical community with queer people. And I know that's something that a lot of queer kids especially don't have access to and they have to find those spaces online. Mm -hmm. But it was so important for me to be around specifically other trans women. um, And, you know, that just made all the difference. I have a question. How did you, like, happen into writing? Uh, Is that a wild? How did you happen into? How did you? How did you become a writer? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I guess the the sort of um, most honest answer is that it's something I was always good at without having to try really hard at it. Mm. And I always loved stories. I'm. I mean, I, I don't think it's very interesting to say I love books. You know, I don't want to be <laughs> like the dis the Disney princess whose thing is that she likes books. I love a book. But I do love books. I was a voracious reader when I was a kid. 
I wrote a lot of, I read and wrote a lot of fan fiction as a teenager. And so that was some of my what earliest experience. What kind of fan fiction, please? So, you know, no J.K. Rowling, but a lot of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. So that was some of my earliest experience with writing that was for not just myself, but for other people. And then, you know, when I was in New York after college, the easiest way to make money as a writer is as a journalist. And so I found some sort of, you know, entry-level, you know, content writing and copywriting jobs and just went from there. And writing was always very much the way I defined myself because it was what I did. And again, like something I did and was good at without having to put too much effort into it, um, Mm -hmm. which is, like, not necessarily the right way to, like, be a thing is just, like, because it's easy, and... I think it's nice. Why why do something harder? Like, if you enjoy it, and you're good at it, and it's easy, why not do it? I think we tell each other that, like, things are hard, and I struggle to get good at this. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're just good at it. I have a question. What... Do you remember any of your Buffy fan fan fiction? I'd like to know some. (laughs) Um, that I read or that I wrote? That you wrote. Oh. Did you write oh. about Angel and Spike fucking? <laughs> okay, that's so. What I would write about. So I actually mostly wrote about Buffy and Angel. And, you know, when I was a preteen, I think one of the ways that my, you know, gender was expressed is that I always was writing from the perspective of, I want to be the girl. And so I wasn't reading and writing a lot of gay fan fiction or slash mm. fan slash fic as you know is the is the terminology um i was writing het stuff which is like what's het? Know, het like heterosexual it's called het het yes which How is funny. you know in in fandom in fan fiction is kind of is one of the only places where that's um, the exception rather than the rule. Like, mm-hmm. fan fiction is very gay. Um, but I was reading and writing the straight stuff because, you know, I wanted to I wanted to be the girl. That's mm-hmm. who I identified with. I was the Hermione. I was the Buffy. I love that. When I first read Harry Potter, I thought her name was Hermione. <laughs> I thought it was Hermione. Mm. And then when I finally saw the movie, I was like, surely that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be. But it was. And that was the worst thing she ever did was naming her Hermione. (laughs) Um, You have gotten to interview the Cock Destroyers and appeared as an extra in their porn, A Tale of Two Cock Destroyers. What is it like being an extra in a porn? It is really um, weird but very fun, especially that porn specifically. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of downtime, as I'm, you know, I think oh, any okay. set is, obviously. Yes. Um, and you are very much reminded that you are not the most important person there. That's, you know, the people who are doing, that's the people who are doing the fucking or the cock destroyers who are, you know, number one on the call sheet. That specifically was funny because I. I think a lot of people didn't know why I was there. Um, mm-hmm. They were like, who's this girl? <laughs> Even the person who was doing hair and makeup, who did me between the cock destroyers, which I know is something on a porn set, not quite, 
doesn't quite mean what you might think it means, <laughs> kind of tried to fit me in between them and gave me these really weird, like Shirley Temple curls. I and love I was like, this. why, why is this my look in this uh, you know, like Victorian era or maybe Regency era um porn we're doing? And <laughs> also, you know, the costumes don't fit because they're like party city. Um, and they're supposed to come off. They're supposed to come off anyway. I had a corset that didn't lace up like all the way up the mm-hmm. back. Although it did mean that I got to have a fun Titanic moment where one of the cock destroyers was lacing mm-hmm. my corset for me. I had to wear men's uh, period shoes uh, that looked like <laughs> pirate shoes. <laughs> Um, I will say, though, the day that I was on set, they weren't shooting any actual sex. So I don't know what it's like being on set at a porn shoot when they're actually shooting porn. The day I was there, they were only shooting the scenes, the Mm -hmm. like acting scenes. But I loved that because that's my favorite part of a porn. (laughs) I I need the plot. Um, One of my favorite porns, I'm sure you've seen it, is two guys fucking and a lady going... In front of my salad? <laughs> I kind of got to be the in front of my salad girl in A Tale of Two Cock Destroyers. I, in fact, was eating grapes in it. Oh, boy. So, yeah. So I carried on her legacy, or tried to. What a dream come true. What a treat. I would love to just be in a porn. Just like, oh, no, what's happening? <laughs> Well, but do you want to be in the background of a sex scene or do you want to be in the the plot? I think I'd love to be in the plot and then someone who like happens to walk in on the sex scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like my character gets to evolve and gets to see some things that you don't think she's going to see. Um, I would be into that. Also, did the cocktail stores break up or did I make that up? Yeah, they are no longer a duo. Um, I think they both they've both moved on to solo projects, but they are, I have to say, two of the sweetest women I've ever met. And I got to spend a lot of time with them that day on set, um, doing some other stuff. Uh they one time they were in New York for something and just wanted to take me out to brunch. And we went Aww. to we went to cafeteria in Chelsea. Uh, and it was cafeteria. like Love Cafeteria. And it's like the one place in New York City where they were extremely famous. And so I... <laughs> if you can imagine. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you don't live in New York, Cafeteria is very gay. Very, very, yeah. very gay. So it's like the How only funny. place in New York City where every waiter in the restaurant was like, every single person. the cock destroyers are here. <laughs> you know, the guy, the guy whose hands were shaking, bringing us our salads. I fucking, that brings me so much joy. I love that. Okay. Can you tell me the worst date you've ever been on? Oh, worse than the Brookback Mountain one. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. This is hard because I, I don't go on a lot of dates. I guess maybe not, um, not worst, but uh, I did go on a date once that ended up with me performing oral sex on the steps of a church. Oh. And so, not worst, but most blasphemous. Sure. But again, I'm Jewish, so I don't think it counts. I don't know if it counts, but also maybe God was like, yum, yum, yum. Oh, I wait, love. N- wait, I have actually, oh my God, this is really repressed. Um, 
I have a better answer, well, a worse answer, which is that the worst date I ever went on, I didn't actually make it to the date because I got hit by a car on the oh way my there God. as a pedestrian. Oh my God. Did you have to go to the hospital? Did you have broken bones? Did you contact the person? So, I mean, let me clarify. I was on my way to hook up with someone <laughs> and I was a freshman in college. So I left my dorm and went over to their place, like, in, in the middle of the night. They lived in Queens. Mm-hmm. And after I got off the subway, I was crossing the street and, you know, didn't look. And a car hit me. I rolled up, hit the windshield, fell off. Um, an ambulance, the car drove off. An ambulance came. They, like, strapped me to a board, brought me to the hospital. I didn't break any bones or anything. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing is, I was 18, so my body was still, you know, like, malleable. Yeah, And I was generally fine. But my aunt and uncle, who lived in Long Island, came and picked me up, and I spent a couple days at their house with them, recovering. And I very much just kind of shrugged it off like again like i mean the same thing with the body it was like i was young i was like well i guess that happened and you know it was very much talking to my friends about it like oh yeah lol i got hit by a car on my way to go hook up with someone (laughs) did you tell the person that you got hit by so wait did you make it to the hookup no i didn't i did not did you message them i got hit by a car I did the next day and they didn't believe me. They I thought absolutely I ju- they would thought not I have just believed played. you. Yeah. I would have been like, this motherfucker fucking lied to me. They could have just said that they didn't want to hook up or meet me or whatever. <laughs> but now when I have had people flake on me in years since, it is the first thing I wonder is, did they get hit by a car? <laughs> or if someone's running late, did they get hit by a car? Uh, Because it does happen. It does happen. Yeah, I mean, you're not the only person who's ever been hit by a car and missed a date. That's truly so wild. Real quick, we got to take a break. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. 
Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving. And I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. What's the best date you've been on? Again, maybe also more um, a memorable one is that I went on a date with someone once where we went out for drinks. We got back to my apartment. We put on Chicago the Musical, um, the film starring Catherine Zeta-Jones and Renee Zellweger. Mm -hmm. And he was inside me by Funny Honey. (laughs) So we really didn't make Uh, it that far into the movie. You really didn't. Minutes. Minutes into the movie. Fully We made it through all that jazz, but it really got us going. I love all that jazz as foreplay into the main event. That's very funny. I mean, Catherine's Jones performing is foreplay. I mean, it's a very good movie. It was very well done, and I loved it. So did I. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Honestly, Cats, I think, is the best movie ever made. No. I love that Idris Elba <laughs> is in a brown cat suit that looks like he is naked. Uh, Judy Dench, they didn't finish her CGI, um, and I genuinely believe that Jennifer Hudson deserved an Oscar nomination for her performance. Thank you so much. That is my, oh my hot God. take. I um I went to the the junket for Cats um when I was still a journalist when I was working for Out magazine and at that junket Judy Dench revealed to me that her, she played her character as trans. Oh. Um, and you could tell she really thought she was getting me with this. She was like, <laughs> she was like, this bitch is going to be gagged uh, wow. by, by this revelation. And um, I, I was not quite the way I think she intended. Uh-huh. Um, you know, um, I also got to talk to, um, to Jennifer Hudson at that junket about the horrible purse that, um, Carrie Bradshaw gives her assistant in the Sex and the City movie. It is a pretty nasty purse. It's like, sure, it's designer, but like, is it cute? The answer is no. She did her dirty with that gift. Yes. Um, She did her dirty the whole... That whole movie was interesting. It was one movie, and then it was a full... The third, fourth, fifth, sixth act of that movie is a different movie than the beginning. A wild, a wild romp. But I, I did love it. I love Sex and the City. Rose... Okay, I have a query from a listener, and I want to read it and get some uh, advice or 
We can answer this question. Okay. Hey, Nicole, I was listening to your podcast with Nori Reed, and y'all were talking about how people awe to you telling a fat joke. Not that you speak for fat people, but when someone is saying, I'm fat, how should one respond? I hate saying awe, but I also don't know what else to say. I hate <laughs> that I'm asking this question. But I also want to know, because I've always wondered what to say. I hope this wasn't offensive, mean, or a dumb email, which is probably dumb. He won't respond. But I'm looking forward to, hear some, to hearing something from you. This is a funny <laughs> question. So this person wants to know, if someone says, if I were to say, me, Rose, yes. if I said, I'm fat, what should you say in uh-huh. response to that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a weird question. Well, I, I Nori and I were talking about how on stage we'll go, I'm fat. And then without fail, and all fat comedians have this joke uh, where it's like, I say I'm fat. And someone in the audience goes, oh, you're not fat. And it's like, I didn't say, but like, I am. You can see it. But I think when someone goes, I'm fat, you just nod your head. (laughs) Or just like stay neutral because you don't know what they want. Because me as a comic on stage, I'm just giving you some information. That's it. I'm not like looking for anything. I'm just telling you something. And I think people in life might be looking for a, no, you're not fat. Or they're just giving you information, in which case just you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah that's what I you should say. Just, okay. Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about body neutrality. You know, that's a TikTok phrase I keep hearing people say is like mm-hmm. that there should be no, I guess, um, you know, like judgment or positive or negative grafted onto our bodies. So yeah, if I say I'm fat, just don't say anything. There, it doesn't, mm-hmm. unless I'm asking you a question or saying something about my body that requires a response, why should you have a response to the, you know, uh, like objective fact of my fatness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm never quite looking, like if I go, does this make me look fatter? I don't need you to go, oh my God, you're not fat. And it's like, no, no, I am. And I'm just wondering if this makes me look even bigger, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am trying to take up space. I have this one huge tent dress that I love to wear when I'm in the mood to take up space. So it's like, I don't know. I think maybe when someone says they're fat, you can't immediately jump to it's a bad thing and I have to comfort them. It's like, oh, they just might be giving you information, you know? Yeah, because I think that says more about you and the way that you think about fatness or like their specific body than it does about them yeah okay i think we answered that question really well rose i have a question for you yes do you prefer to meet people in person or on the apps and do you like to be set up on dates uh i don't like to be set up on dates because it's always a read. <laughs> it's always a read to uh-huh. one of the people being set up on the date. And I never want to find out if that's the other person mm-hmm. um, or if it's me. Uh, I think that's a sticky situation. And it shows you what kind of love your friends think you deserve or what league they think you're in. <laughs> uh huh. I do prefer meeting someone IRL because... I think you get a lot of context up front um, that you don't get on an app. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, the app kind of lets you cut through a lot of the bullshit and be very, um, you know, direct about what you're looking for and can kind of sometimes uh, you get to skip some of the, you know, the what kind of music are you into kind of conversations. I, I think, yeah, both in terms of 
dating and just sex, I would prefer to meet someone out in the world because mm-hmm. I never want to have an experience where I talk to someone and then we meet up and the chemistry is really bad or they've decided like you don't look like your photos, which ugh, I had a I had a bad experience with that last Ooh, year. What happened? So I was talking to this guy on Grinder, which is a, a hellscape. Um <laughs> and we chatted, we'd been chatting for maybe a day, shared a ton of photos. I invited him over to my apartment. He got there. I opened the door and he said, oh, you look really different from your pictures. I'm going to go. Oh, no. And it honestly is the cruelest thing that has ever happened to me. Not because this person didn't want to have sex with me. That's fine. There's so many people in the world who don't want to have sex with me. I know that. And really what it was about it was he should have just not said anything. He should have said, and I've been in this position before Uh to show up and say, you know what? I'm not actually feeling it. I'm going to go. By saying it like that, it left this open question of what it was about me that was different. Mm -hmm. Was I fatter than I looked in my photos or uglier or not? femme enough or whatever Mm -hmm. when of course in reality like who knows maybe he was nervous and got there and realized like he didn't actually you know maybe he hasn't hooked up with like a trans person before and like got there and got nervous or whatever but all he did by phrasing it that way was leave the onus on me to be the one who's coming up with the answers which only then spawn more questions yeah and it it is it is really i've had a lot of mean things happen to me it but doing it that way was one of the meanest things anyone has ever done for me, to me i don't know how i would come back from that that would rock my world and i mean bravo for going on more dates after that because i think i'd be like well we got to put a pin in that um i i did i out. did kind of put a pin in it did? I, I yeah well you know since moving to la i moved to la two years ago peak pandemic mm-hmm. i haven't really had a lot of casual sex i haven't been on any dates i haven't been on a date since maybe like 2019 2018 yeah i mean that set me back even in terms of just casually hooking up with people which i already wasn't doing a lot of because of the pandemic and being in a new city, blah, 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 all those things. My God, how awful. I, I know. Can't get I, over I truly, that. I truly hope he's dead. I hope he walked out of my apartment <laughs> and got hit by a car. I hope, I hope he died. No, I truly, honestly, I'll hop on board because that's like, that's the, I think that's, you're right. It is one of the cruelest things. It is truly cruel because. Yeah, I would, like, look at my pictures and, like, look at myself in the mirror and be like, but I think I look like this? I don't know. Yeah, and and I and I post, I try to post pretty realistic and not super flattering photos in all of my dating profiles. Like, mm-hmm. I don't post, I don't post the photos where I think I look the best. I try to do maybe, like, a six 
because I want okay. I want it to I want it to be realistic. Like of course I want it to be a little heightened, a little sexier, a little more flattering, but I now I'm so terrified of that happening again. Even though I really don't think it was about me, but again, I'll never know. Yeah, you'll never know. And that's like the worst thing because a lot of times it isn't about you, but like in this case you truly don't know. Wait, maybe he was like she's too pretty. That's what it was. Maybe. I was so hot, he was terrified. He was like, I can't do this. Too beautiful. Uh, what am I doing here? This is nuts. I gotta get the fuck home. Um, Rose, do you have any advice for me and dating? Should I, like, what should I do? What, sh- what should I be doing? I think you should lean into romance. Oh. I mean, my journey, my fantasy is that I... I'm accepting that I'm a romantic at heart. I have a romantic soul. And how that's played out for me is, uh, so, you know, as we talked about, I'm a writer. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. writing a book right now. I'm writing a romantic comedy. And what I've started trying to apply to my own life is if I wouldn't want to watch a character in a romantic comedy go through something I'm going through, I'm not going to do it. And so I think you should apply that to your dating life is you need to live your Julia Roberts fantasy. And if it wouldn't Ah. happen to Julia Roberts in a rom-com, it's not happening to you. Okay. Well, I don't think Julia Roberts is scrolling through Tinder being like, wow, I can't believe that this is the crop of men or people that it's serving me. But maybe she would. Maybe there is a, a world where Julia Roberts is doing that. Also, I've been on Tinder for so long that it went from being like, oh, this is where people find relationships to this is a hookup app to I think it's back to this is where people are finding relationships again. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that I've been on so long that I've cycled through this. Rose, life is depressing. And I think I'm going to keep that in my heart. If Julia Roberts isn't going to be doing this in a rom-com with George Clooney, I, Nicole Byer, shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, it's the Julia rule. The Julia rule. I have to do the Julia rule, keep it in my heart, and live my life that way. I like that. Wait, what kind of person are you looking for? I'm just a girl standing in front of a person (laughs) of unspecified gender asking them to love me. I watched Notting Hill recently for the first time since maybe it came out, and it's not a very good movie. What am I looking for? I I mean, this is so annoying and cliche, but again, rom-com, I want someone who makes me laugh. Um, I think as a person who considers myself funny, I would I would like someone who also is funny, mm-hmm. but not funnier than me. Um, <laughs> someone who wants to hold my hand, even if I don't want to. I want them, because I'm not, like, a a PDA kind of person. I want someone who's going to at least reach for my hand in public. Even if I yank it away, I want them to reach for it. Oh, that's really sweet. I think I want that, too. I want to hold hands in public with somebody. I want someone to, like, look at me like they never want to not look at me. And then just, like, kiss me on the forehead and hold my hand. I also, I've been feeling this a lot recently... I just want to have a crush on someone. I love crushes. Mm-hmm. I love that feeling of obsession, that like debilitating 
um, replaying every sentence, every word they said to you, checking your phone every 30 seconds to see if they've texted you back, just writing fan fiction in your head of what your (laughs) relationship is going to be like. I want to be obsessed with someone, and I want someone... When I was younger, the way my crushes always played out was that I only wanted them when they weren't into me mm-hmm. and when I had to chase them. And as soon as they returned my interest, I immediately lost it and just wanted nothing to do with them. So now I want a person who is not going to play games and is just going to be into me and I'm going to be able to receive it and return it. I like that. Not playing games and just like being open to receiving love and gifts and stuff. I think maybe I should open my heart and be ready to receive. I think I put up walls and I got to tear those walls down. Yeah. Be an emotional bottom. Yes. I want to be an emotional power bottom. Fucking rail me with your emotions. I'm here to take it. I love that for you. (laughs) Rose, thank you. Okay. We have come to the end, Rose. I asked all of my guests this. Would you date me? In a second. (gasps) I love it. I would swipe right. I would send a little flame. I would would even ask you what kind of music you're into. Oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you. I'm into shitty lady rap. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like, I love SoundCloud rappers. Tight. You have to give me some reps. I guess it's not, like, shitty. I sometimes, I mean, I love the City Girls, and sometimes they're not rapping on beat. But I love the attitude. I love the flair for the, for the, the, dr- the drama of them. Um, who else do I like? I'll give you a list later. Okay. Okay. I would see Brokeback Mountain with you. I would, would not. You? I would not. Go to Memoirs of a Geisha. I would I would take you to Brokeback Mountain. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I would I would go see Brokeback Mountain with you. I oh. honestly loved Brokeback Mountain. What a what a beautiful, sad story. Mm. Those poor gay cowboys. <laughs> what are you do you have anything you want to promote, Rose? Yes. Um, so uh, we are about to enter season two of my podcast, Like a Virgin. Very mm-hmm. exciting. And um, all October, we're doing bonus episodes for Spooky Season, uh, which is very exciting. So we're releasing two episodes a week. Um, one is on a specific piece of media. And then one is a kind of normal episode where we talk about something a little more thematic um so lots of content this month and then yeah we'll be um you know kind of going directly into our second season which is really exciting i love that and if you love this episode of why won't you date me you can like it you can rate it you can subscribe on apple Podcasts or whatever and if you write me something hitting on me uh, in a nasty way. I want it to be nasty, filthy. The, the nastiest thing you can think of, I will read it. You can send it to why won't you date me podcast at gmail.com. Mars, my producer. She reads these. She sifts through them. Do not send her a dick pic or a pussy pic or your titties. She don't want them. And I don't ever see them. Okay. What about butts? Mm, Mars, do you want butts? Um, uh, 
Sounds like a no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a real belabored. Uh, Oh. <laughs> okay, this nice person said, Nicole, I want to put a dog collar on you and make you crawl on all fours while I lead you around a leash and tell you how you are a good girl and a pretty puppy and the sexiest dog I've ever seen. Then I'll get you on bed and peg you while you start barking and making howling noises. When I'm done, I'll yank your leash and tell, and tell you to start panting with your tongue hanging out. That's when I'll put on Baja Men's Who Let the Dogs Out? I'll flip you over and scratch your belly while I start to eat that puppy pussy, lapping it up like peanut butter while you pant and start to drool. Then after you come, I'll pet your head and scratch your ears while I feed you treats and tell you again that you're a good girl. Wow. Okay. I mean, they had me up until who let the dogs out. <laughs> I mean, for me, that's when it got interesting. I said, oh, okay. We have a soundtrack to this fucking. I can get behind that. Literally. <laughs> well, she'll get behind that because I'm right, a right, puppy right. getting pegged. Thank you so much for being here, Rose. Bye-bye. That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by... Oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solotaroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. I love you. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. <laughs> this has been a Team Coco production. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.